0: How does one go about 10xing their content marketing?
1: Yeah, you got to start with who your ideal customer is first. Start there and everything is built around that. Even like not talking just content, your marketing strategy needs to start with who is your target audience? Who would get the biggest impact from the offer that you have?
2: Welcome to the Women Choosing Growth podcast, where we feature inspiring stories of success challenges of growth, and lessons learned from women entrepreneurs, industry experts, and thought leaders who have been through the growing pains inevitable as an entrepreneur. Whether you are just getting started or are looking to scale up your business, our show is designed to provide you with the tools, resources, and community you need to grow your business. Join your host, Tina Sue, a lifelong entrepreneur and business growth advisor, as we explore topics such as marketing, sales, finance, leadership, and personal growth, all tailored specifically to the needs of women entrepreneurs. So if you're ready to grow your business faster and smarter, then this podcast is for you. Thanks for tuning in and let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Women Choosing
0: Growth today. Our guest is going to help you, especially if you are a business owner who is trying to figure out how to market your business, or if you're trying to get your team involved in the marketing, if you even have a team, or if you're just trying to understand your ideal customer, maybe staying consistent with your marketing, or aligning your business goals with your marketing. Our guest today, Sarah Noel is here to tell us how to 10x your marketing without having to add any additional staff. She goes through very simple steps and a couple different pillars on how to really get that marketing going for your business. She typically works with smaller, tiny marketing, hence the name of her company departments from zero to two folks on your team that might be including you, even though she has worked with some major, major brands in her past. But her passion is here with small business women just like you. So stay tuned to hear how to 10x your marketing. Welcome back to another episode, ladies. Today's guest and topic is one I get asked often. And so we have an expert here with us to give us some guidance. This question comes in many forms, but is basically summarized as how do I grow my business when I'm small or getting started? Or maybe I have a marketing team, but it's a very small marketing team. So our guest, Sarah Noel Block, has rocked content for over 16 years, has supported some major brands like Apartments.com and Prudential, but her heart is with us small business owners with small teams. Her company is actually called Tiny Marketing. And for those of you who have a tiny marketing team but want major marketing results, she is here to share her expertise with us today on how to 10X your content marketing without hiring additional staff. Welcome to the
1: show, Sarah. Thank you for having me. <laughs> we
0: are excited to have you here. Before we dive into the big 10x question, I want to know how... I mean, Apartments.com and some of the other brands that you've worked with are pretty pretty popular. Uh, they could do amazing things for your career. So why the journey from going from major brands to tiny, tiny little marketing companies or little marketing teams...
1: Because they didn't really need me. They didn't need my expertise. I'm a scrappy girl and I really love creating streamlined marketing strategies and systematizing the hell out of them. And they didn't need that. They needed my writing skills or my ability to create and fill virtual events. But I like to do it all and I like to see the impact it has on those small businesses. Because it's it's more personal.
0: Yes, very personal. And I, I imagine working with small business owners as I do, there's, there's a lot of growth to be able to happen when you're not a ginormous company.
1: Yeah, think about that. Like Prudential, like the amount of money I can get them, they're like, yay, that's great. But these small businesses where it impacts their lives, that's a whole other story. Being able to help someone live a better life that's a lot more exciting to me. It is. And like you said,
0: it's more impactful. You're part, you're part of their journey where it's about Prudential. Mm. Yeah, they're like, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, yeah. employee number 487. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no diss on you Prudential. Great <laughs> <laughs> things, but <laughs> I get it. So what was that journey like from going from like, the corporate world to, to working with your very first client? How did that transition?
1: So I was always part of tiny marketing departments, or I was the sole marketer in the company. And that's why I've started where, where my formulas and my um, frameworks came from because I needed that. I had 7 company presidents coming to me with their revenue goals for the year. And I had to figure out how to make that work when it was just me. So. I was able to take the frameworks that I built to be able to manage that and use that for my clients. Whereas those big companies I've worked with, those were always agencies outsourcing their content strategy to me. So that's how I ended up working with them. But when I was in-house, it was all tiny marketing departments all the time. So it was an easy transition for me to be able to take what I learned there and apply it for other companies. When I was launching my business, I, I actually freelanced on the side the entire time. I was the head of marketing, director of marketing. And I was always taking freelance jobs on the side because I knew eventually I'd want to own my own thing. And I needed clients under my belt <laughs> to be able to show my results. So um, when I decided... I, I actually put it in my calendar. like This is my leap date. This is when I am jumping off and I'm doing it. And I made it like a game. I'm going to get enough contracts to cover my salary before this leap date. And I did. And it's been going well ever since. I
0: love that. I I love putting that... You know, um, listeners know that I love having big goals that are in the future and then you know, little tiny, tiny steps towards it. So I love the fact that you made that goal and what you had to do to get there. Absolutely. Was the leap date the original date or how close were you to that?
1: I actually left 3 months early. <laughs> ah, that's even better. Yeah, Absolutely. I met my uh, contract goals before before my leap date. Awesome. I
0: So what kind of clients do you work with? Obviously, we know that they're tiny marketing teams, but de- describe that for me.
1: Yeah, it's always B2Bs because I, I, I live in that world and it's a whole different world than consumer sure. marketing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So always B2Bs, always zero to two-person marketing departments. and I love service companies the most because I get to really showcase their expertise and the humans behind the work, which I love. Now, when you say two people in the marketing department,
0: does sometimes that include the business owner who's trying to wear all the hats?
1: No, I don't count them as the marketing. They're in the zero category. Okay. Two (laughs) is usually... There's like a marketing director and they'll have maybe an assistant and they need a ton of support whenever they have something big going on like a webinar, a virtual workshop, things like that, or ongoing content that they just can't keep up with in-house. That's when they come to me. Okay. That, thank you for describing that. Your topic today and what you wanted to
0: share with our lovely woman audience is how to 10x your content. That's that's a lot. 10xing is not just like next year's growth. It is, well, it can be for some people, but it's a lot. So where do we get started on that? How does how does one go about 10xing their content marketing?
1: Yeah, you gotta start with who your ideal customer is first. Start there and everything is built around that. Even like not talking just content, your marketing strategy needs to start with who is your target audience? Who would get the biggest impact from the offer that you have? Amen to that. I, we just uh, finished
0: up a 4-week sales series. Uh, and that's part of this you know sales process too. You have to be able to speak to that audience and what their needs are. Absolutely. So how do you go about defining that?
1: The first thing I do is I interview my client's customers. And I want to know everything. <laughs> I want to know what are their challenges? What triggered them to contact my client in the first place? What, other, what were the competitive alternatives? If they didn't go with them, would they have done nothing? Would they have hired a VA for this? What would they have done instead? Where do they go when they have questions? Like They're running into a problem. They need to find a solution. What's the first thing that they do? And oftentimes, it's not Google like I would have thought. <laughs> it always surprises me. But I want to know all of that. You do a
0: deep survey with people who said yes to whatever service that you're working with for that company?
1: Um, not only a survey. I do run the survey, but I'm having conversations with them. Okay. To dive deeper. Right. I imagine you're asking more deep questions. Diving way deeper. And, you know, once you start asking questions, then you bounce in other directions. You're like, okay, well, now I need to know this and I need to know this. And it really helps a lot. But if you can't have those conversations with your customers... Even digging into the transcripts from sales calls will be a lot of help because they're always telling you what are their challenges? What are their goals? And those are great places to start when you're figuring out what content you need to create. Okay. So if I hear you correctly, uh, step one is
0: know your audience. Yes. Okay. Then what's next?
1: What's next is deciding what your core content is. What is the one thing you're willing to commit to creating on a regular basis? Now, I think in our pre-interview, we talked a little bit that I have three pillars. You don't... Core content is one option, but there's two others we'll get into. But we'll start with core. So think of your podcast as an example. Your podcast is core content. You commit to creating it weekly, biweekly, monthly, whatever it is. And that's then you can repurpose it from there. You have that. And then there's video. You can see me. I can see you. So you can break that up into shorts, reels, TikToks. You can put this on YouTube as a video podcast. And then with tools like Buzzsprout or Toasty AI... It'll turn your podcast into an article too. So you can have it on your blog. You can use it as a a LinkedIn newsletter. So many options. Okay. So core content,
0: choosing the thing that you're going to do consistently. You're married to your core
1: content. Okay. All right. So pillar two, if you're like, no, core content sounds like the worst and I'm not willing to commit to creating it. Fine. (laughs) Don't. There's a pillar two, and this one is a little less time intensive. And the third one is even less time intensive. So pillar two would be campaign content. So let's say you have an offer or you're launching a program, for example. You sit down and you batch create the content that you need to get people to purchase this offer all in one sitting. So any articles you'll need to create that will help people overcome objections, any videos that you need to create that would get people to notice your program in the first place, like the questions that they would ask on Google when they're starting to get that trigger to, to join a program. Or ChatGPT. <laughs> yeah, or chat GPT. So come up with all of that content at the same time, just batch it. And that goes along with repurposing that into the emails that you'll need to sell that program or to nurture people into that program. The social media that you'll do, but you just do it all at one time. And the main goal there is to get people to that offer. So you'll want some sort of lead magnet in there that is a tripwire to move people to the, to the email sequence. So that makes that's sense. pillar two. That makes sense.
0: However, that also sounds pretty daunting. So if people are like, "Mm, not going to commit to something on a regular basis, and they're skipping a pillar two, but then you say you need to sit down and do all this stuff in one sitting, what is the why behind that? Why why does it make sense to do it all in
1: one swoop? It's so much easier when you start brainstorming on the objections that you get What are the tripwires that get people to the triggers that get people to want to buy this offer? It's so much easier if you brainstorm it all at once and you start creating it. I personally am a batcher. Once I start creating something, I can keep going with it. So I just do it all at one time and then schedule it all out. So for myself, that's like a week. If you do your work in intensives or VIP days, then you can easily schedule out one week, once a quarter, maybe, whenever you're going to be doing a launch to create that content and schedule it out. Then you don't have to worry about it again for 90 more days or a year, however often you launch your offer. Right.
0: Yes. I'm one of those people who like to like check the box and be like, cool, now I don't have to think about it, even if yeah, it's three right? weeks away.
1: Yeah. And you can focus on whatever you want. <laughs> it's like done done, scheduled out. Like I have two weeks of LinkedIn content that's already scheduled out for me because I was like, I just sat down on Monday, batched it all. And and you're feeling good about it. Yes.
0: I don't have to think about it. I think there's something to be said too, um, about doing the batching because then it's the similar message too. Like I know when I have, I, I'm more of a batcher too, although probably like a 60, 40 batcher and 40% like wing it. Um, but when I do wing it, I realize sometimes my, like you said, the train of thought and where your head's at not, it looks a little bit different, sounds a little different than if I come back five days later or a week later. I'm in a different frame of mind, I might have a different vision, and then then it's not as consistent. So what what do you feel about that, about the consistency of doing it all at once? Are you an accomplished woman business owner with a story to tell? Do you crave a platform where you can share your journey, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Hey, everyone, it's Tina here. If you're fans of the show, then you know we are a show that celebrates the strengths and resilience of women entrepreneurs just like you. As we're getting this podcasting community going, I thought it would be fitting to an extended invitation to apply to join me as a guest on our Top 100 podcast platform. I started Women Choosing Growth because I believe that real growth happens when we come together and share our expertise and our experiences. We want to hear your inspiring stories, the challenges you face, and the lessons you've learned on your entrepreneur journey. Whether you've triumphed over adversity or faced setbacks head on, your story has the power to inspire and empower other women just like you. This platform is for you to showcase your achievements, highlight your expertise, and create meaningful connections within our community. So if you're a fearless woman business owner, unafraid to open up about your path to success, we want you on our show. Go to www.womenchoosinggrowth.com and join our community. From there, you'll be given the chance to fill out the short application. If you believe that you have a story to share, then why not? Once again, it's www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. I can't wait to feature more amazing and talented women in this community. Now, back to the show.
1: Yeah, it is more consistent. Your messaging is always on point because you're in that, that train of thought. I even do this with my clients. I create all of my contents, my clients' marketing as well, and I do it batching. I set aside an intensive of a certain amount of days blocked off. That's just them. And boom, I'm driving through all of their marketing and I am in their head. And it's so easy. You work so much faster and it's better because you are like living those challenges that your customers are dealing with. The objections are coming so much easier because that's all you're thinking about in that block of time. Interesting.
0: So almost like being inside the movie of a Lifetime movie, right? <laughs> <I> mean,
1: <laughs> yes. Except stuck as a character dramatic. in there. You can even make it fun. You can make it like an event. If you're going to be only creating content once every 90 days, what if you got a hotel room and you made it a like a an event and you're going to go there with maybe your freelancers will meet up. And you could all do it together, make it a lunch. You can make it fun too. I love that idea, especially because we're
0: saying, hey, it makes most sense to s- schedule the time, be in that good headspace. So probably shouldn't be at your desk with your email popping up and Slack channels going and staff walking into your office. So that's a huge, huge takeaway to find somewhere fun and creative to be so that your creative juices can flow.
1: Yeah. You know how when you make something an event, something special, it just has a different energy to it. Like when you go to a retreat as a business owner and you're like, wow, I got so much clarity. You can create that same sort of clarity on your own with these with these batching days if you make an event of it.
0: I love that. So that was pillar two for more of the campaigns because the people listening, if they chose not pillar one, which is regular content you're committed to... It is more of the campaign timeframe. What was your third pillar?
1: Third pillar is curated content. So this is like, okay, I have five minutes a week to focus on my marketing. And I don't even want to spend those five minutes on my marketing anyway. Mm -hmm. So curated content, let's think of like podcast playlists. Let's say you have an offer. And there's certain topics that would make sense to bring people to your offer. You can create podcast playlists from other people's podcasts that would help people solve their problem and bring people to the offer. But you can have it live on your website. You can just create one using Spotify and embed it on your website, along with some information about how to solve the problem. You can create content hubs using curated content around your offer the challenges you solve, the trigger points, all of that, the objections. You don't have to create any of that. You just have to pull it together and put it on your website in a hub. Or you create a YouTube channel that is curated playlists, you know, the video playlists that will solve all of those problems, answer any objections. You don't have to create any of it. You are just finding the best content out there that will solve those problems. And then connect like your own lead magnet to it or your your offer should be added to it. So the content itself is curated, but you have a couple pieces that are your own to pull people into your world, get on them on your email list. So let me
0: validate that. Are you saying in the curated, you're pulling from other people that are solving the same problem as your business
1: and you're using their content. I wouldn't on... necessarily pick a competitor. <laughs> I wouldn't pick a competitor. But like HubSpot, for example, has a whole podcast network of of podcasts that you can choose from to add on to a playlist. I have a playlist of all of the podcasts that I love that are about event marketing because I love event marketing. And none of them are my competitors, but they created great content on that specific topic. And I also sell planning your virtual events. Okay. So using
0: other thought leaders, if you will, to, to amplify the thing that you're trying to solve, but then having your own call to action or whatever it is that you are trying to get them to engage with your company. Is that... Am I understanding that correctly?
1: Yeah. So you're doing the hard work of curating the right content for your audience and then connecting, embedding it into your content hub on your website, connecting it to your call to actions. That's the uh, I have zero time nor want to create content, content marketing. (laughs) The only time involved in that is finding
0: the right content. Yeah. In your world, which I'd imagine if they're on any kind of platforms, they would be seeing that anyway. It would be part of their...
1: Yeah. It exists out there anyway, but you're creating a list that will... That's pulling it all together and solving their problems. Okay. Curating content. What else in the...
0: I don't really want to do much bucket is there?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't really do much is curation. It's all in the curation, but you can curate in lots of different ways. So yeah, it would be curated articles and pulling them into a content hub or creating some sort of guide that will take people on a journey through their sales objections and solving the problem. You could do an entire sales funnel within a guide and just, yeah, have it live on your website and make sure it it makes sense. It's in a logical order that they'll need. All right. Um, I know you had mentioned too, like being guests on podcasts. Would that
0: follow into curation?
1: You know what? That is its own thing. If you don't want to create content, you don't have an audience either, then let's talk about collabs. (laughs) That would be... That's not one of the pillars. It is its own thing. Let's talk about collabs. So when I first started my business and building my audience... I obviously had none. Nobody cared who I was. <laughs> that's, how <we laughs> that's, how <we> <laughs> that's how we all start out. we all started. Who's included? Who <laughs> <laughs> and so what I did is I did a lot of guest blogging on other publications that my audience was reading. And then in my bio, I would have a lead magnet attached to it. So that's how I started to grow my list. And then as guest blogging became less popular. I started moving to bringing people onto my own show and building relationships that way with an interview style show. And then guesting on other people's shows, doing webinar swaps, where I was the guest on a webinar for some sort of product company. And then maybe they would come on to mine and do a a podcast or a webinar for my audience. And then guest podcasting is easy. Tons of people are looking for guests to interview. So that's another way to get in front of that audience. And you just have to do it very strategically. Have a landing page for people to go to once they discover you on someone else's channel and have a lead magnet attached to that. Make it really easy to convert when you're doing that.
0: Okay. So that that kind of falls in that I don't want to spend too much time creating my own content because you're really using your network or building the network and then using that to get your name out.
1: Yeah. It's a lot of partnerships, collaborations. And yeah, that is a good one for I don't want to do... I don't want to create my own content and I don't have an audience. (laughs) That's the category I'd put that in. So maybe there's four pillars here. There you
0: go. (laughs) I love that. And when we talk about lead magnet, you mentioned that a lot. Can you like I think most of us in business know what a lead magnet is in general terms? But what are good lead magnets? What what would determine if this is definitely something I should be offering to get my email list up or to, you know, my next event or whatever it is? How do you define the
1: best lead magnets? So The first thing I do when I'm trying to decide on a lead magnet is go to my analytics and see if any of my pages are ranking in Google, because that's low hanging fruit. People are going to those pages anyway, and then I'll create a content upgrade. So as an example, I have a quarterly marketing plan blog that is killing it in Google. There's people coming to it every single day. And I had no lead magnet attached to it. I was like, come on, Sarah, you're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) It's just an article? Yeah, it was just an article. Tons of tons of traffic and they were going nowhere. So I created a template that was downloadable on there and gated. And oh, look at that. Hundreds of people have downloaded that (laughs) since I've put it in there. So look at that low-hanging fruit. Who... Like what pages are people already going to? And what can you create to create an upgraded experience that you can gate? So that's the first place to look. Another one is what kind of content is working for you now? Like, do people love your articles? Do they watch videos of you? Are they listening to your podcast? And then create something around that. So I got... Like my events are pretty popular. People enjoy going to my webinars and my workshops. So I started a workshop series. And I was starting to see... like Started off with like 20 people going. And then it moved up to 50 people on average going to the workshops. And now we're up to 100 people going to the workshops. So there is... Like the ball keeps rolling, but look at what kind of content people are already doing of yours and see how you can make that a lead magnet. So that's like a core strategy of mine now are that are those workshops. And you can fill those events super easily by creating like a meetup. You know, meetup.com. You can create a group in there and they fill the seats for you. <laughs> Like Meetup promotes it to all of the right people for you. And then you just create the events and people sign right up. It makes it a lot easier. And you can create a group that is your target audience, like describing them to a T and they will sign up and Meetup will do the work for you. So that's an easy one. And And then Meetup is for a virtual event? It's for virtual or in person. So my group that I did, I did a local one because I thought it would be fun to be able to do in-person ones too. But all I've done so far is virtual and they've worked splendidly. And if they love podcasts, like if your podcast is absolutely killing it, tons of traffic going into it, then you could create a private podcast like surrounding your offer. So that would fall into like pillar two where you're creating a like campaign content and it would just be a private podcast on one specific topic, wanting them to do one specific thing, buy that offer in the end. But that's another route you could go with a lead magnet. So on the lead magnet conversation is it's
0: okay for a business to have a lead magnet for a webinar, a lead magnet for a, the actual product that they have, right? It, how many lead magnets make sense?
1: You know, I have a lot of lead magnets. So the rule of thumb that I have heard from other agencies is try a new one each quarter or each time you have revamped or repackaged your offer, your core offer. But I like to do little micro lead magnets. So I have a decent amount of them. Every time I have a webinar or a workshop, I'll just gate it and make it available on demand so it's still available to people. And, and define what gate means for those Put listening. it behind an email wall so they need to provide their email in order to gain access to it. Email and, is gold. Yes. And then I create little micro lead magnets for anything that's doing well in Google, anything that killed it on social media. Like if I had a social media post that went viral. let's, let's create some sort of lead magnet around there and drop in the comments. (laughs) There you go. Um, When you talk about Google too,
0: is there somewhere that a non-marketing person can go to see what keywords in their industry or what's, you know, what's top of the list in Google right now?
1: Yeah. You know, some easy ways to do that is to go to search console and If your website is attached to it, which is super easy to do that, you'll be able to see what keywords people are using to find your website now. But like the absolute easiest thing to do is to just start Googling keywords that you would use to describe your offer and see how they auto populate at the beginning. And also look at like frequently asked questions that are on there. Like whenever you search anything in Google, it will auto populate so many things like similar inquiries. And it makes it a lot easier to figure out what people might be searching for when they're looking for you.
0: Yes. I've, I've used all those things without knowing that that is the go-to place. <laughs> so
1: yeah, I'm going low-hanging fruit on those. I use Uber Suggest, which is really easy and cheap because you can buy it in a lifetime, like a lifetime thing, like one price. <laughs> it's Neil Patel's tool. And that one is awesome because you can put in your competitors and see what keywords they're ranking for too.
0: Okay, awesome. So we've talked a lot about the the different pillars. You've given so much important information today. I love it. Is there anything else missing before we kind of summarize it and wrap it up in a nice box? I don't think so. We talked okay. about a lot. <laughs> we today. covered a lot. <laughs> <laughs> So number one was know your target audience. And you went pretty deep on that. That's not just here's who I want to sell to, but actually know what their pain points are, what problem you're solving, do some due diligence and research on that. That was key step number one, right? Mm-hmm. And then we have your different content pillars, whether you want to spend some quality time doing it or you would rather not. And we you kind of broke that out into core content which is consistent, batch content, which is really about the batch of days and sitting down. You shared some great insights on why to do it in one sitting. And then your curated content. And all revolving around the email list because email is gold. Yes, Make sure is. we're capturing those. And oh, that's let's the not point. forget
1: our mystery fourth one, the collab content. <laughs> collab
0: content. That's right. Yes, the email list, the lead magnets, the um, collabs—so many great things. When we talk about who you're helping, give us an idea of start to like when you start with a company. What are they coming to you for? What do you end up doing for them? uh, In case someone wants to reach out to you and hire Tiny Marketing.
1: Yeah, usually they come to me because they don't know what to do. They're they're marketing curious, we'll say but they're not sure where to start. So the first thing that I do with them is a strategic spark session where I interview their internal stakeholders and then walk away and come back a week later with a strategic spark report, which is an initial strategy that I recommend they go with to overcome the challenges that they're having and reach their marketing goals. So that's the first place. And then usually it bounces from there into quarterly execution where I create all of their content for them. I love that. And is it, is it women? Is it men? Is it
0: all different kinds of companies? I know you said service is your kind of,
1: I, yeah, I love service because I get to highlight those geniuses in in the company, no, no gender discrimination there. I, I work with any gender, but always B2B. Okay.
0: Well, I ask that because of our women listening.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I work with women. <laughs> yep. I also work with men.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Any final words for our listeners when they're looking at their own marketing?
1: Yeah, you don't have to do it all. Don't feel like you have to do it all. Just pick, I call it my one by four. Just pick one customer, one core content, one channel and one outreach strategy. And that's all you need. One of each of those and you're good to go. Okay. And if you want more, and even though you told them what to do today on
0: the podcast, if they're like, "Uh, no, can't do all that, then reach out Yes, to Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, I appreciate you sharing your expertise today. You gave me some tidbits as well. Um, I always love learning my own podcast. So
1: I appreciate having you here today. I am the same way on my podcast. Everyone who comes on, I'm like, that is so smart. <laughs> Let me take I'm notes. Taking notes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the meetup the idea, idea came from a podcast person that I was talking to. The, which, which idea? The idea to start my own meetup group and advertise my events through there. And it was brilliant. It worked so well. <laughs> That's what it's all about, right? That's part,
0: part of the core purpose of Women Choosing Growth is to have a community that we all help each other. So yeah, I absolutely. I'm on board with R&D, ripping off, duplicating, sharing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's not forget, we're giving away the lead magnet workbook and replay of the workshop. Um, okay. So if anybody who is listening is like, oh, I, I still don't know <laughs> what kind of lead magnet to create, you can download my replay of my workshop that was live. And there's a workbook attached to it. And it'll walk you right through every step of it, including all of the technical pieces that everyone's eyes glaze over on.
0: Right. Yes. That part always is a challenge. I will put those links that's on your website, Right. I will, I'm going to give you a landing page that's
1: just for your show. So I'll give that to you. Okay. Uh,
0: We will have that in the show notes and listeners.
2: Awesome. Thank you for that. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. The Woman Choosing Growth Show is not just another podcast. It's a tribe of women helping each other grow. So please... Share this podcast with all the women entrepreneurs that you would love to see succeed. If you'd like to know more about customized business advising through Cultivate Advisors, download business tools, or sign up for upcoming events, visit www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. Once again, that's www.womenchoosinggrowth.com. Remember, we are in this together. See you on the next one.